Hello and welcome to episode 48 on the NDL show. We're having another pivotal conversation on this episode and getting us into it is Gemma Fassi with her track Best Life. I know life can push you down to a point where you can even see the way out, way out. Sometimes I feel so down and I can't even get a single word out, word out. life especially when life is as short as it is this song is called best life by Gemma Farsi you know I've been loving her music on the socials you can follow her at Gemma Farsi on insta and on twitter at Gemma Farsi underscore as usual do let us know what you think of this music thank you again for choosing us today Last week, we released our music edition with Una Rams. If you missed out on that one, don't worry. You can still make some time and tune in. And before that, we had an honest conversation about body shaming, episode 46. Please do let us in on your thoughts if you haven't already. Now, on this episode, we're talking about body dysmorphic disorder, BDD, because there is so much that can be said and perceived about our appearance, so much so that we become a bit obsessive about how we look and we're here to get into it. Allow me to put a trigger warning right here if you are sensitive to anything relating to body dysmorphia as well as sexual abuse, please do avoid this episode. 
Otherwise, how are you doing on this Thursday? I mean, how has your week been? And I'm not just asking just to act now. I actually want you to hit me up on the socials. We are at the NDL show and let us know how you're doing today. I mean, we just got out of the retrograde and I'm feeling a bit better. I nearly did not make it, but do let me know that you're breathing at least. So listen, on whichever platform it is that you're listening to this conversation, please follow or subscribe to the show right there. Do rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and we're doing this thing, you know, where we're trying to get you to participate on the show because we value your opinion via the polls and questions that we post on Spotify. And most importantly, do share the show with the people you love and care about. If you know someone or are someone who is musically inclined, I don't know what you're waiting for submit your music or any other inquiries to our email on the NDL show one at gmail.com you can purchase your own NDL show t-shirt sweater or hoodie by DMing us orders are confirmed by payment and now you and I have a lot to get into so do stay tuned this is the NDL show Coming up on episode 48 on the NDL show, we're extending our conversation on body shaming and getting into body dysmorphia, the causes and its subsequent effects with registered counsellor Ridumetzin Tembu. All of this coming up, stay tuned. continuing on the theme of body talk right we touched on body shaming previously and now we want to get into body dysmorphia which i believe fits into the line and thinking of body shaming as well now we're getting into the psychology of body dysmorphia and we'll be getting insight from a professional. Her name is Ritu Metzim Tembu. She is a registered counsellor who works for Johannesburg Municipality Clinics under Hillbrow to be specific. She has also started her own practice. Yes, Ritu, welcome and thank you so much for joining us on the NDL show. Thank you, Nundu. Thank you very much for the invitation. Definitely, Ritu. Now, let's start at the beginning. You know, on our previous episode, we had a conversation about body shaming and how many people, you know, who haven't seen us for quite some time tend to comment on our weight gain or our weight loss, you know, without even thinking about the effects that those comments have. But to get us started on this conversation in particular, someone might be listening and might be wondering what body dysmorphia is. So what exactly is it, you know, and what does it entail? All right, so body dysmorphia is something that lies on the extreme side of one just reviewing themselves and saying, okay, my body looks like this, my body looks like that. It's actually a disorder that is seen and recognized by um, the DSM. So the DSM is basically the book that we as psychological um, professionals use to diagnose or identify diagnoses within individuals. So with body dysmorphic disorder, um, it currently falls right now under the obsessive compulsive disorders, right? So when you think of obsessive compulsive, I'm sure most of um, the viewers and listeners will say, oh no, OCD, someone's got OCD. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's basically taking your perception of your body to the extreme of OCD tendencies. So if we're just to just break down what it says within the DSM-5 so people can actually understand the severity of it. It's usually described as the preoccupation. So 
there's a great focus on one's flaws. But when I say flaws, please notice it's about your perceived flaws. So what you as an individual believe to be a flaw, not necessarily what is there, but you believe that this right here, this is not in my skin is abnormal. And there's so much focus that is then placed on that. And unfortunately, a lot of people then either they don't see what your problem is. They say, no, you look fine. Mm. It's normal. It's fine. We're all used to it. Or on the other hand, people are like, I think I see what you're talking about, but it's not that major. And those are the comments coming externally, but internally you are going haywire, just thinking about it over and over again and saying, this is a problem though, something is wrong. And then to go deeper into it, something else that has to be included before you can say, yes, I've got body dysmorphic disorder. They talk about how you start having repetitive behaviors or a lot of mental acts to try and cover up or ignore this body part that you feel is flawed. Sure. Right. So that could be like checking in the mirror two, three, four, five, ten times a day, or just always staring in the mirror, trying to convince yourself or trying to tell yourself over and over again that this is a problem, or maybe it isn't, but I think it is. And what would people think about this? Or with some people, it's that excessive grooming. Mm. We all love to groom. We do it in the morning, sometimes during the day and in the evening. But with people with BDD, um, they tend to focus on that way too much mm-hmm. so instead of the three times checking okay is my hair fine is this fine they will look and stare at themselves uncontrollably and it's for a person looking on the external side you can see that no man this is abnormal this is not right um but we then brush it out of the way as society especially in the south africa it's like mm, okay maybe they have a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever and they move on um and with people who usually have um acne they do a lot of skin peel um picking Mm. um it'll be okay i need to peel this off or no i need to pop this pimple or that pimple i need to remove this little hair as small as it is as if everyone else can see it but for you i feel like i have to remove this hair it's making me look ugly it's making me feel ugly and you also look for reassurance from someone else okay after i'm done grooming and after i i feel like okay i've put everything into place that's when now i ask someone else hey is it fine Sure. And then two people later, hey, is it fine? Are you sure it's okay? Are you sure it's okay? But I, because I feel like this is not right. And then you go to the third and the fourth and the fifth, but it becomes so consistent. It's so repetitive that even you as an individual can see from the external side that the, what I'm doing is abnormal, but I need to make sure that what I'm doing makes me look good. I need to look fine. Mm-hmm. Right. And lastly, because all these things are happening within the DSM-5, they emphasize a lot on how all these behaviors then start affecting your functioning because you're in so much distress Hmm. and and you're not um, acting as you should or as usual as other people would um, normally react within social spaces um, or at work. Even then, you're so obsessed with how you look or how this body part is sitting and how it shouldn't be sitting um, or even at home. So it's a lot of focus on how it completely um, impairs you from being a, what others would say, a normal person or living a normal life. This becomes the sole focus of your life and it takes up all the time. Um, So with it, once again, it comes back to saying with BDD, 
it will sound a lot like a lot of other eating disorders or OCD tendencies or social anxiety disorders. However, it's very important that we go back to the core of it and say, okay, is it a generalized thing where I just have anxiety? Am I just fearful of something? Or am I becoming very obsessive about this? Like, is it becoming my, my every day on the hour checkpoint on my to-do list is at the top? It's the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth thing on my to-do list. Where does it stand? Um, and how comfortable are you with your body? Is it becoming the sole focus of your whole body? Like, I see my hair is fine, mm-hmm. um, but there's this one aspect, you know? With some people, there isn't even depression. It's just, there's this one thing, if not two or three, but there's always this one thing that they just can't seem to get right, and it's giving them so much anxiety. It scares them to the core, mm-hmm. and that's when we start looking at other behaviors and saying, okay, yep, that is BDD. It could be other things, but it seems more like it's leaning towards BDD. Sure. And that just goes to show that it's not something that can just be dealt with easily. And you touched on a lot of aspects of body dysmorphic disorder that I'm sure some listeners can relate to. And as a listener, please do let us know which factor might have spoken to you on the socials or on Spotify. Even you mentioning acne, Ritu. I mean, I was thinking back to the time when I was suffering with acne and I loved pimple popping videos and I still do. Anything to do with extractions put me on the list I am there. But mostly because going into social settings, it would be pointed out that, oh, you have so many pimples, you know? Oh, it's that chocolate you're eating. And I actually want to get into what could possibly lead to one having BDD. Because I'm thinking about how when I used to leave the house, you know, it would be emphasized that I need to ensure that I look good, you know, neat in every way, that I represent my family well. So Ritu, can you walk us through the possible triggers that could invoke body dysmorphia? I'd, I'll definitely do. So if we just start off with what you just commented on, it is actually a thing. It is, it is something that I'm pretty sure you're not the only one um, who's experienced it. Everyone has, whether it's just being in a social setting, it's how you act or behave in church, how you speak, um, how you look at people and how other people look at you. All of which is it comes down to how you then brought up and how you are brought up to see yourself. Not just within the, so- the social setting, sorry, but how do you see yourself as an individual? Sure. So there's this thing we call conditional positive regard, right? So what the, the idea is, you as an individual will pretty much only receive love, acceptance, all these positive things from people if you look a certain way. Mm. And only if you look a certain way, will you then get that love and the comfort and you'll be recognized um, and we'll be proud of you, but only if your shoes are always tied right. And you know, women have small feet. Don't, I pray you don't have big feet. Mm. Big feet are, no, that's a manly thing. Mm. Or saying, no, a woman's hair is always tied back. It must always be tied back. Don't let your hair come to the front and fill up your face. That is not nice. You do not look um, presentable. Yes, that's the word. You do not look presentable to society when you look like that. Fix this, fix that. Um, You're too fat, you're too chubby. Oh, why are your boobs out? No, put them back in, you know? All these comments are things that are said over and over again. And because they said, we then 
internalize that and it becomes our, our, our auto mode. That becomes our neutral mode for a lot of the things we say, we do, how we dress, um, how we look and how we think. So that is a very, it's so painful because most of the time we don't even notice it until we're much older. And then we then carry on the same behavior onto everyone else around us, mm. but not noticing how triggering it is. And it's beyond triggering. It's part of the core, if anything, rather than the triggers. In the future, yes, the older we get, it becomes a trigger because this is you thinking that I've grown up. Um, my family has taught me to look a certain way. Um, I'm only acceptable and approachable if I look and act a certain way. And I think I've embodied that. And then someone comes at you and they're like, hey, uh, <clears throat> I think you've gained some weight yeah. or that's not sitting nicely on you like it used to. What's going on? And that becomes then a trigger to think, okay, am I not acceptable the way I look? I thought I was. And it then creates a whole other bound of psychological triggers, not just um, that moment in itself, but now, okay, does that mean even in past relationships, I haven't been looking good and I thought I was? Yeah. So it also affects your self-esteem. It affects um, what you want to wear, how you'd want to wear it. You become very frightened, very fearful. And then that's when the BDD starts setting in because it starts off slowly. But it is very insidious because it, it, it creates so much fear. I know I've been saying fear a lot, but it creates so much fear mm -hmm. that one really does get to the point of, I don't want to go out or I don't wear black because this and that and that. I don't wear white because this and that and that. It makes me look bad. Mm -hmm. so it shows my butt. It shows my love handles too much. And it starts off that slowly, but it becomes such a big monster that a lot of people really cannot control at the end of the day but yeah other than what our family and our parents say there's also a um, biological sense that comes with BDD so that is your neurochemistry all the chemicals yes in your brain and how they trigger certain parts of the brain so at times a certain experience or a certain um behavior is then triggered because of what is happening within the brain so most of the time within the brain we speak about serotonin levels and all these other chemicals and how they start creating a fear response within you so you start getting scared and you start becoming panicked um, sometimes you don't know why but it's there you panic you worry excessively and what do we then do we then try to cover it up with a lot of repetitive behaviors like i had mentioned before that grooming um, asking getting reassurance at some point, you even stop asking for reassurance and you're just scared altogether. I'd rather not say nothing. I'd rather not do nothing, you know? So those are just some of the things that um, really tend to trigger that neurochemistry. But if we come down to the most common thing, it is basically what we hear and what we see from our society, from our environment, and how we then take that to heart and implant that as the core of how we then think um, what we'll say, how we perceive our lives, how we'll perceive ourselves within society. All of that becomes a whole enmeshed um, trauma in the head that just makes you scared over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And as you're saying that, I'm also seeing parts of myself there. I really don't want to lie. I want to be honest here. And even you touching on wearing only a select number of colors, that is literally me, you know, because I will be thinking, nope, 
<laughs> I cannot wear light blue. It will show my cellulite. And also, I want to pose to you, our esteemed listener, through whose perspective do you see yourself? Is it through your own or through what others have said to you about yourself? And thank you, Ritu, for bringing that in because I actually was not aware of the biological side of body dysmorphia. I don't think that it's spoken about enough. And from your clients and observations, Ritu, what have you observed about BDD? And even extending on that question, actually, does social media have a role in inducing it? The very straightforward answer to that is yes, completely. Oh, yeah, there's no other way to put it, most definitely. If I just touch on the first part, so with my clients that I've had before me, um, some have actually become or had BDD because of a, the first client, um, the one that I can really think of right now is a lady who was actually um, a victim of rape and she had a lot of traumas that happened even after that. And because of that experience and um, how she tried to deal with it. She started having BDD specifically because of her, um, her stomach, the tummy area. Mm. Um, she's like, no, man, there's something wrong here. There's something, there's something wrong here. Um, and she's a very beautiful woman with no doubt. She is very beautiful. But because of this area, so some of the rituals that she would do is wear bomber jackets, always wear hoodies, um, if not that, peplums, peplum clothing mm-hmm. was a definite. Um, she stayed away from pants. She always wore skirts and dresses. To some extent, even after the, the incident, she had decided that, nope, she's not going out at all. So even for her to start going out, it was a whole mission and a half. But she felt like there's something wrong there. So this is just to show you that sometimes it's not even um, an external issue, but it comes back to the internal and how we then see ourselves Mm. after an experience. So for her, because of this trauma experience and this guy wanting me, something's wrong here. And after I've been violated, something is wrong here. I'm not okay. Mm. And with that over and over again, luckily through a whole lot of therapy and a lot of experience, activities that we had done together she she became better and she learned to start living with it properly rather than how she had come initially which was oh yeah no none to say she was not functioning at all at all and with the other lady she was actually a victim of um, violence when she was growing up so she had scars on her body and as much as the scars were there they were perceived but they were very minor because they were from a young age um, in passing, you would not see anything at all. But for her, oh, she didn't wear anything that had sleeves. Sure. No sleeves whatsoever. She lived with makeup. Wake up, makeup. That was that was her, her routine. Wake up, put on makeup. Mm. I'm awake, I'm wearing makeup. That's it. Mm. If I wash it off, it'll put on another layer. Sure. Trying to hide it over and over again. Even though she was broke half of the time, financially, she was not stable, but she would make sure. It would not make sense, financial sense, to focus that on it. Um, But for her, that was the greatest priority. So it just goes to show that it is sometimes very internal. But with her, the external, with the second client, that is, the external part came from her watching her friends, Mm -hmm. social media, 
everyone around her no a beautiful woman has her legs out her hands out you know um almost every piece of skin is really is um showed and because of that she's like no i'm not woman enough i'm not beautiful enough i'm ugly i'm actually very ugly Hmm. even though it wasn't the case so Mm -hmm. social media does tend to harm us quite a lot it triggers a lot of the thought processes that we have and then it combines that with our behaviors and then add that to how you see yourself in society and then look at your experiences within society we don't all have great experiences being outside um we don't all walk out and think yeah i'm beautiful i'm going to be shell at everywhere i go mm-hmm. some people go out and they don't get shell at and that harms them that hurts them a lot They're like okay so i'm not beautiful mm-hmm. otherwise i would have been shell at a whole street full of people and women and no one said one thing about me nope you know um and then they go into social media what do beautiful women look like Mm. you know who gets the most likes Mm. who gets the best comments what do they look like what do they wear what do they sound like um you look at all those things and then compare yourself and say ah but that's not me in society that's not me so that means i'm on the other end of people who shouldn't even be posted you know so the thought processes it's it's very painful and very harmful because as much as society if not social media will say no this is just what we're putting because we think this is beautiful um what it then does to us those of us who don't look like that start to wonder and question ourselves naturally so like why am i not there Mm. like Mm. where are the other people that look like me Mm, mm. And this lack of representation, it does a lot, you know, when you don't see people who look like you being celebrated. You know, there are specific body types and skin tones that get celebrated. And even you speaking on the shallowing thing, you know, one might wake up today and look good, feel good, not to get validation from people, but when no one approaches you, you know, or or says something about how you look, I don't know, it does something, just a bit, even if it's a bit, you know, and it's easy to make it a personal problem saying that, okay, maybe there is something wrong with me, even when somebody body shames you, it's easy to say, you know what, maybe my arms and legs are big, you know, I look terrible, and I know body dysmorphia is not viewed as something that is quite serious for many communities, and our black communities, you know, and in that breath, Redu, can you walk us through the things that you have observed as misconceptions of BDD? All right. So with what you're saying, even, um, we've normalized body shaping. We've normalized um, not feeling good about ourselves, not looking good, or not believing or thinking that we look good mm. and that we, we deserve to feel as good as we do sometimes. And because we've normalized it, it then becomes a thing of, ah, we're all like that most. So what's your problem? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now me, I've also got like, um, I've got a problem with my pics. So the guys will say, oh, it's normal. You know? And some of the misconceptions actually is that it happens more in women than it does in men. And funny enough, it actually does happen in men as much as it happens in women. Mm. Um, and majority of the time, it has to do with the genital area for men. Um, and then with women just a combination of everything but men too look at their teeth and say eh no this is not right I do not have a great smile let me not smile at all Mm. I will not smile I refuse to smile if I smile I'll just you know (laughs) and I'll I'll keep it take it out from the belly rather than um right from the mouth no do not reveal what the teeth look like 
it's it's a combination of everything. So it's the pecs, it's the muscles. My ears they too big, they too small. No, mm. my butt is small. Yeah. Um, or it's flat like they say, or it's too big, man. I need to reduce it. For guys, sometimes they feel that it is too big, or it's too flat. But others tend to ignore it. But that's why it's been something that is relative across the board because we basically have the same physical features. It's just like I said, the pits, the penile area. Mm. Otherwise, we pretty much all um are bound to look at something in our body and we say, "Ish, but this." I think this is not fully normal or I feel like I want to change this or improve this. And that's why it then relates to all of us. Mm. And um, another misconception that some people sometimes have as much as they try to ignore it is to say, oh, they, I am a no. Um, it's just the way they are. They're just shy. Yeah. And then we're then unable to diagnose people with it. So it maybe something that is underdiagnosed within our country mm. but it is the way we see each other like no he's just shy leave her leave him um yeah no don't worry the way who is there no i oh you know i teach you know and at that time the person's like just don't look at me i'm trying to get yes. by in this life without anyone looking at me because mm. this and this and that is not right yeah and unfortunately i have to go out but i don't want to and, and that is a great misconception that people have. And it sucks because we don't actually go out and ask, hey, Joe, are you fine? Are you okay? Why don't you like going out and actually investigate that and be open enough on the other side to say, okay, here's my thing. I have a problem with this and this and that. Because mm. if you also then say something, then it brings back that thing of, I don't want to be judged about how I look. What if this person judges me harshly like my parents say, you know? Or like my auntie or the lady from church no let me just keep it to myself wow wow and you're touching on the invalidation we put ourselves through because we're too scared to come across as dramatic that is definitely something else and it's worth noting you know because we do it so often and i'm so grateful that you mentioned that body dysmorphia is not a gendered thing and that it can be experienced by all genders you know and also having touched on body shaming can you give us some insights onto where it comes from because i find that it's very dominant within black communities you know and i'm wondering whether there is something within our history that has resulted in this culture of body shaming it comes back to that first statement you made in the beginning about what is desirable? What is beautiful? And beauty and desirability equals to a great life, you know? Mm. So if we were to take it also beyond just the culture and take it back to um, the olden days, you know, she walks like this, she looks like this. Mm. A desirable man looks like this, walks like this, has this and that and that. And that increases your prospects, full stop. So then everything else that is then done within the community, sometimes in essence to say, oh, give or to, you know, we're just trying to help you. They think they're helping, yeah. trying to help you so that you do get that lifestyle you need, you know, so that you are able to improve your life and you, you know, you are able to succeed. Because for some reason, uh, <laughs> beauty and success tend to be linked mm -hmm. as much as they may not always be, but they are yeah. in, in, the eyes of our black community um if we think of skin lightening and how 
hairball, my yellow bone, as they would say. A lot of people with light skin back in the day. Let's just take it back to apartheid days. Those are the people who were thought to be more desirable. Um, even within the American context, you know, ah, there's beige love. Only people who are light in complexion are the ones who are prone to find great love, everlasting, beautiful love. Sure. A lot of these misconceptions, then just they naturally develop as time goes. They just develop as people start combining things that may not even be there. It may just be a coincidence. But, you know, as the human brain, too many coincidences equals to a fact. Yes. Whether you like it or not, it is a fact. Mm. So Usban Bani um, is married and has kids because she was thin by the time her partner met her, you know. Mm. Usban Bani is married and has kids because... Um, uh, she goes to church and you see she wears uh, very skimpy clothes mm. but then what about Usbanban who also goes to church who's fully dressed with a duke on and everything has mm. kids <laughs> she got married she's got a happy life what do we say about her you know I know she's just a coincidence so uh, it, it tends to contradict each other but for some reason we keep taking it and say no it's fact it is definitely fact and because too many people then think about it we say group think too many people think about it, consider it fact, and then it just goes in within the unwritten history books that this is how life should be. Yeah, yeah. And this is how we should all groom each other. Because I'm helping you, you know? Um, I was listening to the previous podcast, rather, with the lady from church who had mentioned your body and your weight and how you'd gained. In her mind, she's helping you. She's genuinely trying to be helpful to you. She's trying to help you. And... And you're saying, you're like, no, woman, <laughs> know your boundaries, you know? This yeah. is not, nope, this is not the time, this is not the place, this isn't even the conversation. Mm. Tell me my hair looks great, tell me my dress looks great. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so it becomes just an idea that I'm trying to help you by judging you. See, now this is a perspective that is really throwing me off a bit, Redu, because I never really thought of it in that way. And perhaps that is the case, you know, obviously not taking away from those who are just very malicious and want others to feel bad about their bodies. Now, you also touching on skin lightening is something because I think many of us know what it's like to try and bleach our skin just to fit into the category of desirable. You know, there's a photo of Makazi that was published and many people were saying very horrendous things because the photo revealed her inner thighs, which are darker, like mine, like many other ladies out there as well. And some people went as far as saying that she should consider skin lightening and I was shook because, you know, it was taking me back to that time when so many of us became familiar with your products like Carolite. It's such a deeply entrenched thing because someone might say something to you thinking that it's nothing, you know, but you go home feeling damaged, hating yourself. How can we, as people who truly resonate with this conversation and symptoms and identifying these symptoms within ourselves, how can we work towards overcoming this intense feeling, you know, that we have about our flaws? All right. So considering what we just spoke about with social media and everything else that is going on there mm -hmm. and the lack of representation, and if there is representation, sometimes it's so it's so biased like if you're big then you must always be bubbly always be loud or if you're the dark girl then you um have these personality traits if you look like this if you say like this then these are definitely your personality traits so it comes down to you as an individual actually get a book 
sit down with yourself and say, okay, so I as Ritumit, who am I? Okay, what what at least do I think I know about myself? Mm. Okay, what do I love about myself? We already know what you don't love about yourself, you know? Mm. Um, sometimes with writing lists and writing about yourself, we tend to say, write all the things you don't like, write all the things that you think you want to improve. Mm. And the reality is you've been thinking about them. You've been ruminating about them. You go to bed thinking about it. You get dressed thinking about it. Mm. You enter a social setting thinking about it. Like, why else do you need to think about it even more? Yeah. Um, so now we have to switch to the other side. Okay, it's not all bad, is it? No, it's not. Okay, so what is it that I think is cute, is mm. good looking, is fun? And sometimes asking those around you only for the positive stuff, nothing else. Okay. Um, dear friend, um, Dumi, please tell me, what do I, um, what do you love about me as an individual? Okay, if you want to talk about body parts, which body part of mine do you like the most? Because they're your friend. Yeah. There's something they love about you. They've been there with you for the longest time. They have a reason why. And they're sometimes the best people to actually share. Mm. As long as they don't put any buts or maybes, yeah. just put it straight. What do you like? Yeah. One, two, three. Thank you. Great. Mm close it at that and then you as an individual then need to start practicing a whole lot of compassion so that compassion that you give off to our friends because you know how you can say hey show me um hey show me i love your hair Mm -hmm. yes sometimes you can say show me ish but you know the color is not really working on you um it's too bright man i I know what you look like with this other color Mm. okay sometimes it's reasonable but let's focus back on the positive um how would you speak to your friend how would you motivate your friend yeah. and then turn that around and use it on yourself hmm. so being your own best friend being nice to yourself is a major thing that we need to look at and sometimes maybe staying away from specific stuff on social media you know what triggers you you know um which celebrities you look at just for the sake of comparing yourself to them hmm. don't do that don't go to their pages Start following more body positive people, if that's the case, you know, Um, people who you feel look like you, who you feel um, talk like you, who have eyes just as pretty as yours, but people who bring a positive set of self-worth within you through their social media, start following those people. Let's shy away from the others. And also maybe start being more mindful of yourself how you speak to yourself, how you speak about yourself. All those things also start triggering different behaviors within your, um, within your own social context and when you're at home. So the nicer you talk about yourself, the more likely you're bound to be nicer to yourself. You know, the more you tell yourself you're beautiful, the more you start convincing yourself, you know, it may be small things and it might not always feel like it's true, but mm. the more you start doing it, the more you praise yourself, the better things start getting and the more you start believing in your own self-praise. Because looking on the other end, how often do we get that praise externally, yet we expect it? And when it doesn't happen, we get hurt. So rather we need to circle back to the center and say, okay, dear self, you know, um, you're cute. Um, boosting how you see yourself currently not how you used to see yourself Mm. it just allows you to balance yourself internally so whoever comes by is like the wind they just blow and carry on with your life 
I love that so much, Ritu, because nobody, and I mean nobody, can say anything about you or to you when you've taken that time, you know, to love yourself deeply and thoroughly. Sure. Ritu, thank you so, so much for joining us on the NDL show because I believe that this conversation will help cement the message we have been trying to get across when it comes to our bodies. You know, it certainly is important to move away from seeing ourselves through the perspectives of others. And I believe that this conversation will help us get through that. Thank you so much, Ritu, for joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure. It's definitely been a pleasure. Um, and just the last word, if you find yourself isolating, um, just because of how you look, just take a step out there. Just take a step out into the actual world, not the reality you have in your head sometimes, but the reality that is external. And let's see what it's got for you. It's not always bad. Mm, truly amazing. That was Ritumetim Tembu giving us professional insight onto body dysmorphia. Please do follow Ritu on the socials at Ritu Medzi Wellness on Instagram. Be sure also to visit her website on www.ritumedzi.com soon to get more information. And of course, if you resonated with this conversation in any way, please do let us know on the socials. We are at the NDL show. Now we leave you with this amazing song by Namakau Star. It is called Floating. And there are visuals that accompany this one, so be sure to check those out on YouTube. Do yourself the favor and follow Namakau Star on the socials at namakau.star on Insta. From my producer, Tilani Sejo and I, catch you on the next one. Head is in the clouds if you listen to the sound When the silence is so loud you don't want to touch the ground